Welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk. My name is Brian Donnelly. For our first show of the year, we look back on Northwell Health's top five innovations of 2021. We speak with researchers behind some exciting studies seeking to improve life for patients living with paralysis, schizophrenia, cardiovascular disease, and COVID-19, as well as 9-11 first responders with PTSD. A little bit later in the show, Rob Hoyle will recap Northwell's top five moments of the year. But first, we speak with Dr. Rebecca Schwartz and Dr. Theo Zanos, who hope to harness the power of vagus nerve stimulation to make a difference in the lives of one particularly heroic population. So here we are 20 years after 9-11, and there are still many, many people suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Recognizing the trauma that 9-11 first responders continue to face 20 years later, as well as the barriers to treatment, Feinstein researchers Dr. Rebecca Schwartz and Dr. Theo Zanos launched a pilot clinical trial using an at-home bioelectronic device in the hopes that it can reduce PTSD symptoms. There's issues around stigma of receiving mental health treatment. There's, you know, especially in responder occupational populations, we're also seeing that you know, people have a hard time engaging in some of the sort of gold standard treatments because they require really talking about their trauma and really engaging with it. And that can be very tough for some people. Transcutaneous auricular vagus nerve stimulation, or TAVNS, is a device that, when placed in the ear and activated, sends electronic stimulation to the vagus nerve twice daily in 15-minute sessions. Well, the vagus nerve is one of the larger nerves of our body. It essentially provides the communication conduit between the brain and the organs. So it monitors how these organs work, and then it actually sends uh, commands to these organs to change functions. The idea is that uh, we want to build devices that will interface with the vagus nerve to try to either diagnose or treat uh, all kinds of different diseases and conditions. Participants will use the device at home for eight weeks in this randomized double-blind study. You turn on the stim for 15 minutes. You don't feel anything. And we see if it works. That's a much easier um, thing to engage with than maybe doing that hard work in therapy. It's not probably going to replace the need for therapy. I would not say that or medications or things along those lines. But it could serve to augment those treatments and get people in a place where they can even better engage in those treatments. The Feinstein Institute's trial is funded by a two-year $700,000 grant from the CDC's National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. One big component of post-traumatic stress disorder for many people is that hyperarousal. So really constantly being aware and on guard and easily startled. Um, and I think the one of the ways in which the vagus nerve can potentially um, under stimulation help with that is that it teaches you, and we've seen this in, in rat models, um, how to really um, learn to ex to extinguish that hyperarousal state when you see something that may trigger it. That is achieved essentially by uh, the vagus nerve stimulation actually releasing specific uh, uh, hormones in the, in the brain that uh, enhance plasticity. Through vagus nerve stimulation, scientists can deactivate the body's inflammatory response, which could lead to novel therapies. Dr. Zanos is among the researchers at the Feinstein Institute's Institute for Bioelectronic Medicine, looking to understand better how the brain and body communicate, particularly with a focus on the vagus nerve. If uh, all goes well and this actually can mitigate some of the symptoms of PTSD, uh, then uh, this can help, you know, 
uh, thousands of people that that suffer from this uh, this disease and augment their therapies to to lead a, a better a better life to increase their quality of life. Northwell launched its first fully virtual trial in 2021. While the COVID-19 vaccines put a spotlight on the importance of clinical trials, the pandemic itself fundamentally changed how they are conducted, as COVID surges and lingering fears of going into a hospital presented challenges to enrolling patients. While studying the effectiveness of famotidine as a treatment for COVID-19, researchers at the Feinstein Institutes, in collaboration with Cold Spring Harbor, pivoted to a fully virtual model for phase two of their trial. As patients were recovering from COVID, the last thing that they would want to do was have to travel back and forth to one of our clinics to be seen. Dr. Christina Brennan, Vice President of Clinical Research at Northwell Health's Feinstein Institutes, explains the transition from traditional to virtual. Our practitioners figured out how to see patients via telehealth, and we did that really quickly because COVID was here and forced us to do that. I think if we look at remote trials, we did the same thing. We figured out how can we get this done rather than saying what research might look like in 2030 and beyond, that time was here and we had to figure it out. Instead of an IV, participants used a pill. Instead of in-person observation, they used a questionnaire, all from the comfort of their own homes. This decentralized virtual trial became the first of its kind, and trials of the future, Dr. Brennan notes, will most likely use a hybrid model of both virtual interactions and in-person study. We like to focus this and say it's patient centricity. What do the patients want? Some patients still do want to come in person. Maybe you could offer the patient then um, that hybrid approach. Can you do some of the follow-up visits from home um, versus some coming in person? So we, we look at ways now that virtual trials are increasing our diversity for recruitment. More diverse, more equitable, and now with the available tech to make them possible, virtual trials are catching the attention of pharmaceutical companies nationwide, and of course, other researchers. Dr. Mark Butler, Assistant Investigator in the Institute of Health System Science, is the principal investigator on a new all-virtual trial using smart prescription bottles to study medication adherence to reduce cardiovascular disease in the Black community. Rather than relying on patient self-reports, so saying, did you take your medication or not, our research allows us to track adherence in a real world in real time and to deliver a virtual intervention in the same setting to increase that adherence. 50% of the prescriptions filled in the U.S. are taken incorrectly. To address this, the 42 participants in the trial may receive text messages asking, did you take your medication as prescribed today, prompting a response of yes or no. I would argue this type of virtual smart pill bottle is, uh, might be the most accurate uh, because it, it shows us exactly when a person takes the medication, when they remove a pill from the bottle. We all know we should be taking our medication, but we're not perfect. And... Uh, when someone comes up to you directly, you you don't want to acknowledge that. So I think that um, this removes that barrier as well, that kind of response bias that we can see when people are asked about their medication-taking behavior. The trial's primary goal is to increase medication adherence by at least 20% using text message-delivered interventions to reduce cardiovascular disparities. Individuals who are Black are at greater risk for cardiovascular disease and greater risk for cardiovascular mortality 
compared to non-Hispanic whites. So statin medications to lower cholesterol are a really great way to reduce uh, potential CBD uh, outcomes and events. If individuals take their statin prescriptions as described, 20 to 40% of potential heart attack and stroke and other cardiovascular outcomes could be prevented. And we hope uh, that by increasing medication adherence among individuals identifying as Black or African-American, we can in part work to remedy this disparity. From prevention to diagnosis, our next innovation uses artificial intelligence to analyze speech as a method of detecting schizophrenia. Right now, we have some very effective treatments in terms of medications and other modalities, but it's a guessing game as to which treatment will work for which patient. Um, so that often for patients and families means months or even longer of trial and error before they can find the right one. Schizophrenia affects around 1% of the world's population, but is one of the leading causes of disability. The sooner an effective treatment is identified, the better the chance for recovery. Hoping to speed up that process, Dr. Sunny Tang, assistant professor within the Institute of Behavioral Science at the Feinstein Institutes, is studying the use of artificial intelligence in something called natural language processing to diagnose schizophrenia. Natural language processing is the process of using computers and um, automated programs to ex extract signals from speech and language um, and to quantitate those signals. Um, so specifically, we're using speech biomarkers, um, so signals in the language and speech of patients to try to understand precisely um, what's going on for them and what treatment will work best for them. Dr. Tang's research found that patients with schizophrenia used fewer adverbs and adjectives, but more pronouns, specifically frequent use of first person singular. We record speech and we break down the signal um, through both in terms of the acoustics, the way that speech sounds, as well as the way that it's put together. So we turn the, what's said into transcripts um, in, in words, and we're able to represent the words and their meanings mathematically and calculate, for example, how much the topic is shifting from one phrase to another. Overall, her research found that natural language processing was significantly more accurate in the diagnosis of schizophrenia than the gold standard clinical rating scale. Not only more objective, Dr. Tang says this method is fast, automated, and inexpensive. Natural language processing is a highly promising tool in psychiatry because unlike um, magnet magnetic resonance imaging, MRIs or EEGs, which measure the electricity in your brain, um, you don't need any fancy equipment or, um, or uh, really expertise to collect this, to this kind of data. All you need is an iPhone, actually, and that's something that's scalable. So we can do that uh, here at, in New York with Northwell Health, and we can also do it in rural Idaho. By leveraging the power of artificial intelligence and human language processing technology, Dr. Tang hopes to offer patients quicker diagnosis and truly personalized medicine. Next, we speak with Chad Bowden professor of bioelectronic medicine at the Feinstein Institutes for Medical Research. He tells us about the groundbreaking work he did in 2021 using artificial intelligence and brain-computer interfaces with the goal of helping paralyzed patients regain movement. This may sound like science fiction, but we are creating what we call an electronic neural bypass, uh, and much like a, a cardiac bypass, uh, but instead of rerouting blood, we are rerouting signals, uh, electrical signals from the brain. Uh, back to affected parts of the body. So, for example, someone has become paralyzed or lost the sensation. 
we're literally taking signals from the brain, reconnecting those signals to the muscles uh, to allow them to move again and even feel again. The first-of-its-kind study takes on the challenge to reintroduce movement to patients, but does not necessarily mean sensation will be regained as well. This is really difficult because imagine you know, losing the ability to hold someone's hand and to feel that person's hand in your hand. Uh, and so what we're doing is putting these thin film sensors on the fingertips, picking up the sensation of, let's say, holding someone's hand or picking up this cup, uh, to give an example, and we're recording those little tactile, you know, pressures and force levels at the fingertips, sending those signals back in the other direction to, into the computer. And then that is being sent back up into uh, the brain, into the sensory cortex. This has never been done uh, in the human hand before uh, in this type of study. Uh, so we're very, very excited about there are more than 100 million people worldwide living with some level of movement impairments or the loss of sensation. Chad tells us why this work is so critical for them. So I remember a young man uh, who's come in to our lab many times and has been in various studies and he picked up a granola bar all by himself and, and you know, took a bite without having to ask for help. And that's what turns out to be the key factor. Uh, people want to be able to do things again on their own without having to ask for help. Um, that's been a recurring theme, and it's, it's, it's amazing to watch the progress they make. Lastly, we speak with Dr. John Bookvar, Vice Chair of Neurosurgery and Director of the Brain Tumor Center at Lenox Hill Hospital. In 2020, he was the subject of the highly acclaimed Netflix docudrama Lenox Hill. In 2021, he began studying a groundbreaking new approach to glioblastoma treatment. The first-in-the-world study will investigate whether fatty tissue from the gut can significantly enhance the efficacy of chemotherapy by circumventing the blood-brain barrier, a major focus of Dr. Bookbar's research. Well, the blood-brain barrier is essentially a, a gate um, that separates the blood from the brain tissue. And the reason, the rationale to do that is it's evolutionarily preserved in case you get bit, for example, from a venomous spider, perhaps that venom, when it gets into your bloodstream, won't get into your brain because it's blocked by the blood-brain barrier. Well, it's good to have a blood-brain barrier if you get bit by a poisonous spider, uh, but it's bad if you want to get drugs into your brain. For example, if you have a brain cancer, a brain metastasis, Alzheimer's disease, or stroke. So we need to circumvent safely uh, the blood-brain barrier to deliver chemotherapeutics into the, the human brain. Glioblastomas are the deadliest form of brain cancer, and the median survival is 12 to 15 months. Dr. Bookvar's team is looking to improve outcomes through this trial using belly fat. Uh, we have something that covers our, our abdominal organs. So your organs, your small intestine, your large intestine are, fill, are covered by essentially an immunological organ called the omentum. It's a blanket of fat that basically covers our organs. And in that fat are lymphatic nodes or lymph nodes that har harbor all of the immune cells, the T cells, the B cells, the dendritic cells um, in that. And also there's a large blood supply in that piece of fat called omentum. And we use this piece of omentum for other purposes in the head, mostly to improve wound repair in patients that have had radiation, for example, for head and neck cancers. After standard brain tumor removal, Dr. Bookvar's approach uses a minimally invasive technique to harvest the omentum, which is then used to line the cavity left by the resected tumor. And the rationale is now I have a new blood source, and that blood source is what we call extracranial, meaning that it came from your 
abdomen. And so there is no blood-brain barrier in those blood vessels. And also, I'd be giving the patient local immune cells to improve the patient's immune system in its surveillance of that brain cancer. So the FDA has granted us, um, we're the only site in the world that are, is doing this. It's called a mental cranial transposition to bypass the blood-brain barrier. Dr. Bookfar's trial is in its initial phase to assess safety and feasibility, with the ultimate goal of proving that this approach is safe for human patients with recurrent glioblastoma and is effective in reducing the likelihood of cancer progression. On top of the many innovations coming out of 2021, Northwell made headlines with seminal moments that had a national impact. Here are Northwell's top five moments of 2021. First up, the first wave. Oscar-nominated filmmaker Matthew Heineman documented the first four months of the COVID-19 pandemic in this National Geographic film. Every single day, we were so deeply inspired by what we were seeing, by the fortitude, by the love, by the humanity, um, by the courage that we were witnessing. The first wave captures what the COVID-19 pandemic really looked like inside the walls of one of New York City's hardest-hit hospitals, LIJ Medical Center. The documentary is now streaming worldwide on Hulu. Next up is the Northwell Nurse Choir. 18 nurses with the gift of song came together in 2020. A one-off performance spurred an audition for season 16 of America's Got Talent. Their performance captivated the world, earning them a golden buzzer from Judge Howie Mandel. They advanced through several rousing rounds and eventually snagged a coveted top 10 spot in the show's finale. 2021 marked the 20th anniversary of the 2001 9-11 attacks and prioritized first responder health. Northwell Health's Queens World Trade Center Health Program continues to conduct valuable medical research on physical and mental conditions related to 9-11 exposures. Something Scott Strauss, a 9-11 first responder and Northwell's head of corporate security, knows firsthand. The World Trade Center program is, um, I probably saved my life. You know, uh, with Dr. Moline, Dr. Wilson, and the entire team, uh, it's very important and it's um, a lifesaver. In 2021, we achieved authorization of pediatric COVID-19 vaccines. Now, children ages five and up are eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine crucial step forward to protect families and eventually to achieving herd immunity. Seven-year-old Nora Gossett is among the first aged 5 to 11 to get the shot in November. Finally, 2021 marked the one-year anniversary of critical care nurse Sandra Lindsay's historic COVID-19 vaccination. On December 14, 2021, she became the face of hope. One year later, she reflected on her experience becoming an advocate and public figure. If a virus or a disease is anywhere, it's everywhere. That's one thing we've learned. So I am hopeful that we can come together as one world and really work together for global health. As we move into 2022, we're filled with immense gratitude for those who helped us advance in 2021. We're especially grateful for our frontline healthcare workers, scientists, patients, and participants for their courage and heroism. Thanks to them, we are hopeful for the meaningful moments to come in the new year. For Rob Hoyle and the entire team at 20 Minute Health Talk, I'm Brian Donnelly. Have a great week and stay safe.